We're going to go today to the book of Genesis chapter 41. And uh, I give honor today to my bishop and my dad. I honor him. This is, a, this is an awesome turning point in the story of Joseph. If you are familiar at all with, with Joseph, um, this is the part right here that he didn't see coming. He just had been through a lot, had gone through some pretty dark places. But this is the moment right here where God starts turning it around. Um, he's in prison for something that honestly he didn't do. He was accused of it, but he didn't do it. He ends up in, in prison. He's already been betrayed by family. I'm not going to have anybody raise their hand on that one today. He's been betrayed by friends. Please don't look across the room and give anybody cross eyes today. We've all, we've all been in places where we felt forsaken and felt neglected and felt like somebody could have done us a little better than they did us. And any, anybody here, just show your bottom lip just a little bit. It's like, I've been there. And so he ends up in prison, and prison feels really unfair. But there's two guys in there that used to work for Pharaoh, and they got in a little trouble. One was a butler, and one was a baker. There's a lot you can preach about the butler and the baker. But they both have dreams, and uh, Joseph starts interpreting the dreams, telling them the dreams. And uh, One of them had a pretty good one. The other was not so good. He said, uh, your head's fixing to come off. And uh, that's when you don't want to be the prophet. That, that's, that's when you don't want to be an interpreter. That's, you know, everybody likes it, the sermons that you get up and say, there's a blessing coming your way. But in all fairness, they, uh, they asked. And so the man of God had to tell him what was on his heart. And uh, he, said, uh, he said to them, he said, but... Uh, when you, when you get to Pharaoh, I, I, if, if ever there's a time that you can remember me, I want you to just think of me. And the 41st chapter said it came to pass at the end of two full years. This is two full years after he said, remember me. God, is this ever going to end? When is, now I've read your word, Lord, I've read your word, and your word said to be not weary. Come on, y'all are preaching this morning. In well-doing, for in due season. We're all really, in our own respect, we're all sitting here today waiting on due season. Because due season is technically, I guess, when it's, when it's over. But is it really ever over? Because we're just moving from one battle to another battle. We're moving from one day to another day. I, I, I'm probably going to start this off on the wrong foot. This is somebody may came to get encouraged. And I want you to be encouraged, but I'm going to encourage you with this. You're not alone in your trouble. But if you came here today looking for God so that trouble ceases, somebody's told you the wrong thing about God. This is what you need to know. You're going to have trouble with God or you're going to have trouble without God. But the best place in the world to have trouble is knowing that he's still walking with you. I'd rather be in the midst of trouble with God than to have a blessed day without God because I know that even the good days are going to pass and trouble's going to come. But thank God when he's on my side. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. Now this, this little portion of scripture right here gets pretty, gets pretty fabulous when you read it because it's somebody else's story. But if this was your story, you'd be upset because before we move into this two full years, it, it's two full years of the last verse of chapter 40, verse 23. It said, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but he forgot him. Forgot him. Look at somebody this morning and say, how rude. I gave you an interpretation and you forgot me. I gave you the best that I could give and look at that. But he forgot him. Two long years and Pharaoh has a dream. And all of the sudden, when he has this dream, the chief butler speaks up and says, Oh, there was this guy that I was in prison with, sir, before I was restored. And that man interpreted my dream, and it was absolutely on point. He is not a false prophet. It was, it was on the money. It was right. It was good. It was perfect. And Pharaoh said, I believe that right there is the kind of man. That I'm looking for right there. Now, where did you, where'd you say he lived? He said, oh, no, sir. No, he, he doesn't live anywhere. He's, uh, he's down in the basement, you know, over the, the prison. Yeah, I've got somebody with that quality in prison. Yes, sir, he's in prison. Why, why is he in prison for? Well, I don't really know, but you're going to have to look. And at this point, when the favor of God comes in, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting there in a hurry, okay? I'm trying to get where I'm going in there. But when the favor of God steps in, Pharaoh stops asking questions. Pharaoh doesn't say, what's he there for? What did he do wrong? He doesn't ask what his past was. He doesn't ask what he's been through. But he said, if God has given this man the judgment that I need... I don't care where he's been. I don't care what he's been through. I don't care where he's living or what prison I've got him locked. Can I, oh God, can I preach to somebody this morning that your prison has got to let you go when God says it's time for you to walk out? You walked in here this morning locked up. You walked in here this morning broke up. But when the favor of God comes, I don't care how many doors are locked between you and Pharaoh. When God says you're coming out and the time is right, God will open the doors and you're going to walk out. I'm going to preach to you this morning. Do what you can. God has a plan. Do what you can. God has a plan. Now, folks, I want you to understand how I live. I'm not going to preach at you, but I'm going to tell you how I live. I get caught up so much in frustration worrying about the things that I can't change. I figured that'd go over like a lead balloon right there because I'm preaching to a common spirit in this room. You know, most of the times we neglect the things that we can do 
because we're so worried about what we can't do. We neglect the things that we can fix because we're so occupied by the things that we cannot fix. And this is not just life. This is marriage. This is relationship with God. This is relationship with family. And we worry about the things that we cannot fix. And that's what we dream about. That's what keeps us awake. That's what we toss and turn about. And we look at finances and things that are broken. We, man, how can I ever fix that? How can I do it? I'm behind. Listen, I'm going to tell you. Quit letting the devil beat your brains out over what you cannot fix. And start walking in what you know to do. If you're in a financial mess that you're having a hard time, this is, this is not going to make sense to everybody. But to people that understand the word of God and you have taken God at his word, it speaks volumes. When you're in a financial mess and you can't dig your way out of it, don't you worry about the mess and start working on it a day at a time. But if you'll take God at his word and start paying your tithe and being faithful to God... You're going to start seeing God work miracles in your life. Not because it's prosperity, but because God's word is true and God is faithful to his word. God's not, God's not obligated to bail me out of every mess that I'm in. But what he is bound to do is to keep his word. And he said in Malachi through the prophet in chapter 3, he said, try God. He said, try God. Just try me and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you that you cannot contain. Yeah, you preachers are always preaching about money. If you know me at all, I very rarely ever preach about money. But I can tell you this. I stand before you a blessed man. I would rather have the blessings of God on the 90% that I've got left over than I would to live on 100% and my finances be cursed. If God has ever blessed you, just shout yes. Folks, I can't, I can't tell you. I really can't. I, 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 don't, I don't have time to go into all the financial structure of everything. But listen, it doesn't change my living whether you pay your tithe or don't pay your tithe. I'm here because God sent me here. I'm in this pulpit because God sent me to this pulpit. And God's going to take, I don't preach tithe so that I get increase. I preach tithe so that you understand the value of the promises of God. I love being in a covenant with a God that says if you'll take me at my word, not only will I bless you, but I'm going to keep the devourer from your door yeah but my relationship with my with my wife man I just, I've, I've done so many things that I can't fix and I understand that you know I'm, we've all been there we've all done things we can't fix but listen if you're always worried about what you can't fix and what you can't undo your marriage is never going to get healed you got to start focusing on the things that you can focus on. Well, my wife just, she just, my wife don't want to communicate with me. Listen, I'm going to get into your prayer life right here, okay? This is not, I, I, I'm going to get better. This is going to get better. I'm going to preach better in just a minute, but I'm going to get in your prayer life right here. I'm going to tell you why things are the way they are in your marriage. Because when you get down and pray, you say, God, would you please fix her? And you ladies get down and say, God, I don't know what's wrong with him, but would you please work on him? Yeah. 
God, please, I don't know what else I got to do for you to fix her. But I need you to change her, please. Okay. Everybody's getting nervous right now. Listen, I'm far from being an old man. I've been married 21 years. And I can tell you that some of the hardest times of my life were spent saying, God, fix her. And some of the best times in my marriage was when I started saying, God, bless her and fix me. Your, your road to happiness is not God fixing everybody else in your life. The greatest days of peace in your life are not when God makes everybody else peaceful. Have you ever walked into a room full of people that were all wrong? Huh? Oh, it's tied up in here right now. Some of you are laughing to keep from pointing, aren't you? Yeah. You know, it's, it's literally, literally 100% impossible. Uh, let's go with 99% possible because there's, there's a lot of stupid in this world. But... It's almost, it's virtually impossible to walk into a room full of people and everybody in there be wrong but you. Am I, am I, is that good preaching? You can be seated. You, you know, people are funny because oftentimes the counsel we seek is not, it's not, it's not for information, it's for communication. We don't seek counsel so that we can be informed on making better decisions. We seek counsel so that we can inform our pastor or inform our wife or inform those that speak into our lives of what we've decided we're going to do. Because the old saying, it's easier to get forgiveness. Boy, I'm I'm digging a hole right here. I'm preaching good. Because it's easier to get forgiveness... Than it is to get permission. Oh, all the rebels know exactly what I'm talking about up in here this morning. But if you live your life always seeking to please self. Then you're going to find out that the, the harder you try to please yourself, the less pleased you are. But when you seek to please God. Lord have mercy. Somebody in this room is fixing to get loosened up. I feel it coming because it's going to get better up in here. But I'm preaching where you're living right now. That's why it's tight up. In, that's why it's tied up in here right now. Because I'm preaching to you. The more I seek to please flesh, flesh is the only thing that's ever going to be pleased. But the more I seek to please God, all of a sudden I begin to find contentment in where I'm at because I know that God has a plan. It's not about where I am. It's about where God is taken me to it's not about what I've been through it's about the fact that while I've been in it God's been with me and God's never forsaken me and God has never left me and so if there's anybody that has a right to just stick his old thumb in his mouth sit back in the prison give up hope it's old Joe 
Joseph had been through it. Joseph was only hated because of his dreams. Well, I, I, don't, I don't have time for that right there now this morning. I said he was only hated for his dreams. Go back through. And the only thing you're going to find is that Joseph was probably overzealous with sharing in the wrong season. The things that God had spoken to him in a dream. You know, sometimes God gives us things that's not always the best time to share it. Sometimes wisdom is taking a word that God gives us and putting it in our spirit and holding on to that. Like, if God gives you a word that all of these brothers are someday going to bow down at your feet, that's probably not, probably not a good time to bring that up when they're ticked off at you. Say, oh, yeah? Well, what you don't know is someday God is going to make you serve me. Someday God is going to make you bow down at my feet. Listen, we got to be careful how we deal with visions and dreams that God gives us. Because it's possible to have favor enough with God for God to speak to you and not have enough favor with men that they're going to understand what you're saying. Not everybody is ready to receive what God has put in your spirit. And sometimes God has to let you go through some things to teach others the value of the word that he's put in you. That doesn't mean that God has rejected you and God has neglected you because brothers have sold you out over a dream that was in your spirit. But I want to encourage you this morning and I want you to know that even in the midst of chaos in your family God has a plan you may feel like brothers have sold you out but God has a plan you may feel like your aunts and your uncles and your family they've sold you out but God has a plan oh I feel like helping somebody in here right now don't despise where you are God has a plan we love, we love, we love, we love the story of Joseph and his brothers coming and the reconciliation and Benjamin having to come. Oh my goodness, the drama that unfolds in that. He said, no, they don't know who he is. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to give you anything to eat unless you present your younger brother. And he knew, he knew that they had already made a vow. They weren't going to let their younger brother come. He understood their quiet conversations because he spoke to them in, in uh, Egyptian language. If you go back and read it, it's interesting. He would have having an interpreter speak to them you know sometimes sometimes we have to we have to use wisdom in a place and speak things that are unfamiliar to us and unfamiliar to the surroundings that we're in and let God use us. But he's listening to what they're saying. And they're saying, no, 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 we're, we, whatever, whatever happens, we can't bring Benjamin because we've already lost Joseph. And he starts recognizing the repentant spirit in them. That whatever we do, we got to save our brother. We've already lost one brother and we can't afford to lose another brother. I wish that spirit would get on some folks that's made some bad decisions in your life and maybe rejected and neglected some uh, some relationships that you could have poured into. Joseph knew that their hearts were in the right place when their language was no longer about what they had to lose but rather about their brother. It was not about what was in it for them but what they were worried and concerned about their brother. You know it is possible to use what you've been through to bless your brother later. You may have killed a brother you thought earlier, but God can use that for you to bless a brother. 
I, I really don't have a lot of time to say, but that's, that, that's our favorite part of the story. We love that. We love that. You know, I, I've preached so many cool things about that. And he takes the cup and he puts it in the bag. It's all, it's all a test of their integrity. And if you're not familiar with the story, we'll, we'll go read it sometime or talk about it. I'll be happy to give you a study. But I, what I'm saying to you is this is the culmination, the climax of the story where God is bringing deliverance to his brothers through him because he was faithful. But what was he faithful to? He was faithful in the process. Everybody wants to stand as the champion over the grain bag. But nobody wants to be faithful when you've given your best and even the butler that you poured your heart out to has rejected you and forgot you and for two long years you've been laying in your bed at night crying tears that nobody else sees and you're saying God when will you remember me I figured this would be a little uncomfortable for some folks in here hey I'm telling you right now if we can just hold on if you can just be faithful if you can just be patient there's a lot of things that I don't know but let me preach to you the things that I do know he has seen every tear that has fallen from your eye he has heard every prayer that has come out of your mouth he's seen every day that you could have thrown in the towel and gave up and quit God knows where you you are. Well, he's not answering. God's not saying anything. God, I haven't heard from God, so that means I'm rejected by God. No, you're not. Your prison is not a surprise to God. you got to do what you can do because God has a plan. I want to preach to somebody in here this morning. I'm digging. I know I'm digging, but I'm reaching for somebody in here that's felt locked up and you felt like you've been closed in and God hasn't heard a word that you said. There's two things that have to happen. Number one, you have to realize that God don't make you faithful if I had a rewind button I'd just push it right now how many of you know God is faithful but just because God is faithful doesn't, doesn't mean I'm faithful God's faithfulness does not make me faithful I make me faithful I know that God is always going to be faithful. But the verdict is still out on whether or not I'm going to be faithful. Forgotten. Rejected. Broken. Left behind. Gone through a pit. Been lied on. Been cheated on. People saying things that aren't true about me. What in the world am I going to do? Let me tell you what to do. I know it's easier to preach than it is to live. But when it feels like everybody else has been unfaithful. That is not my excuse to be unfaithful. Well I feel like everybody's been against me. Yeah but God is for you. It's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. The devil is a liar. He wants you to believe nobody is for you. And nobody is with you. And nobody is behind you. I've come to preach this morning. The devil is still a liar. And God is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? God's for you. God's for you. 
It's a scripture that everybody loves to quote. But very seldom do they ever realize where it came out of. It came out of the story of Joseph. When Joseph said, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. That means when it feels like you're in the middle of hell on earth, you know that heaven is working on your behalf. Go ahead, devil. Form the weapon. But I've got a promise. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Oh, I wish somebody realized what I'm preaching this morning. You're about to come out of this thing. You're about to rise up out of this thing. But you've got to be faithful. So the problem becomes trusting in what you cannot see. Because what you can see is the evidence that's lying to you. Oh, God. I know thou shalt not lie. I know that. I get all that. And I shouldn't. But if Joseph's story teaches us anything... It teaches us that even if I'm not lying and everybody else is, that God can turn their lies into his glory. You, you do know it was a lie that got this thing started. It was a coat. It was covered in blood. They didn't say anything, but they sure implied it. And they just brought it to their daddy. Handed it to him and walked away. They didn't say anything. But Jacob said, my baby is dead. You know what? Your baby's not dead. He's in a pit. And he's fixing to go through some things. Oh, God, I'm going to preach this right here, but it's going to frustrate some people. If you knew he was in the pit, you'd go get him out. This, this, this kind of stuff is not easy to preach, but I'm going to preach it anyway to you parents, grandparents. You can't afford to dig your kids out of every lesson that God's teaching them. Some of us are nothing but a bailout plan to the will of God for our children. Why does he have the bloody coat? Well, God don't lie. But God used the lie of them boys to say, let me form your boy while you're believing that. Oh, God. You're going to go through some heartbreak. But if heaven could ever just get you to see it, if you can endure this, you're going to find out that the thing that broke your heart the most has been a lie from the enemy. Sir, you need to know that the bloody coat is a lie. If you can endure the bloody coat and keep your integrity, God is going to let your feet walk in palaces that you would have never had access to if you would have got him out of the pit. You go get him out. And there's not a band of men that come along and buy him out. 
carry him off in a caravan, sell him off to Egypt. Yeah, but my boy, my boy, my boy, what am I going to do? Oh, God, my boy. Oh, what am I going to do about my boy? Listen, your boy's in prison, but your boy's not alone. <laughs> God is using. You put something in that boy. You put something in that boy. Folks, I, this is going to sound like I'm being carnal. I don't mean it carnal, but if you think Potiphar married an ugly woman, you're nuts. He was a man of high class. He was a man of high regard in the Egyptian government. He, he knew what was going to Listen, Potiphar didn't have no skank ugly wife. I believe she was an absolutely breathtaking, gorgeous, model-looking woman. I believe she was. And I believe she had a cruel and a bitter heart. And I believe she had plans for Joseph. But Joseph had something in him. Mom and Daddy, if you'll put it in their heart right now, they'll survive the pit. If you, oh God, if you put it in their heart right now, they'll survive Potiphar's house. Don't let the pulpit be the only place they hear. Save your virginity. Save your purity. Save yourself. Wait for your spouse. I, I wasn't there for the conversation. But I'm going to tell you, you can write this down by Acts 2.38. Somewhere... Joseph had a talk with his daddy, and his daddy said to him, son, temptations are going to come. But you've got to learn to hold yourself with integrity. And when he walked in, and that beautiful woman said, come lay with me. I know, you, I know this is hard for us to wrap our mind around because we're spoiled rotten. Joseph did not have a Bible. Joseph had never been to church. Joseph did not have a pastor. Joseph did not have a father. Joseph did not have a mother. Joseph did not have anybody to tell him, don't do this. But because of what he learned while he was in his father's house, when the beauty of that woman came to seduce him and she reached out and grabbed for his jacket, the Bible said that he stepped out. I pray to God that I'll put something on my kids that when hell comes chasing them, they'll step out of it. They'll walk out of it. You know how that happens? You keep them around holy people. You keep them around righteous people. Every youth event there is, send them. Every youth service, send them. Every Sunday school class, send them. Every time the doors are open, bring them. I don't know much about her name. I just know who she belonged to. She was married to Potiphar. And the only thing we know is there's going to be things that don't have names, but they've sure got power. There's going to be things that you don't know their name, but they've sure got some authority. And they've sure got some seducing qualities. But when we raise our children in the presence of righteousness, you don't have to say a word for them to feel the presence of unrighteousness. I'm preaching to a mother and daddy in here this morning. You'll never go wrong by raising your kids in the house of God but you cannot expect your kids to love righteousness and abstain from iniquity with three hours of preaching in a week and if I get long winded like I did Wednesday night it's three and a half hours Here's what I know. 
When God took Moses and put him in the cleft of a rock, he said, you can't see what I'm doing. The Bible said God put his hand over it. You know, God used the lie of the brothers to put his hand over Joseph's father. Moses, if I crack my fingers and let you look in the process, the process will kill you. Because you'll be so worried about the part you can't fix. But what I need you to do is be faithful over what you can do. Because I have a plan. No, I'm not going to let you see. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. And when I'm done, he said, you'll see my hinder parts. Now, when I was a little boy and I read that, don't think I'm being disrespectful. I thought that man, he'd see God's rear end when he walked away. I mean, honestly. God's going to walk away. He'd see his hind end. He'd see his backside. He'd see God walk away. That's not what that means. What it means is, he said, when I'm finished with this process that I can't let you see, you're going to know that I've been there the whole time. It was me that kept you from looking at things that if I would have showed it to you, you would have said then, I'll never make it through that. If I would have shown you then the things that I was going to take you through, you would have promised me I'll never survive that. But what you don't know is how much God believes in you. And the things that you're facing right now, God believed enough in you that when the timing is right, his hand is on you and you're going to come out of this thing better than when you went in. Now, for the sake of time, I must hurry. But it is a fact that you can't always see what God is doing. But you can always just assume that God is up to something good. I, I want to be sure you heard what I said. I said he's up to something good. He, he's always up to something, but it's, it's never bad. God, God, God don't do bad. Well, why would God let him go through that? Listen, God uses liars to get his will done. God uses betrayers to get his will done. God uses forgetters to get his will done. And God uses people that walk through it and they realize, God, you're not just up to something. You're up to something good. You're not just doing something. You're doing something good. So now here he is. He's finally made the crescendo. He's at the top and he's standing before Pharaoh. This is where God wanted him. But he had to get through the betrayal of his brothers. Had to get through the pit. Had to get through Potiphar's house. Had to get through the prison. Now he's standing in the palace. God wants to know how you'll handle the prison before he'll put you in a palace. And he's standing in the palace and he said, he's already got it. I've seen how he acted in a pit. He, well, aren't you worried that's going to go to his head? Nope. Because he didn't let the calamity go to his heart. Well, that guy needs to stay humble. God has a way. Well, I don't want to encourage him too much. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, Pastor, I don't want to brag on you too much because I don't want your head getting big. I said, don't you worry. There's about 300 other folks. God has... God has a way. And there's people that come along that remind you, you're not as good as they said you were. (laughs) 
I'm going to walk you down a road right here now. God saw that Joseph can handle calamity alone in a pit. So he elevates him to a little bit of a different pressure. He says, okay, you were forsaken and alone. But I want you to watch how this happens. This is so cool. So then God takes him to a room with one other woman, with one woman. And he says, how can you handle it when someone else gets involved? And he walked out. So he goes to a prison where there's more people. Now there's a butler and a baker. You follow him? You're picking up what I'm putting down. God trusted him when he was alone. He trusted him when he was by himself with a woman. He's trusted his heart now when he's with two men, but surrounded by a bunch of prisoners. And God said, if I can trust a man when he's by himself, everybody wants God's trust in front of the nation. But Joseph earned God's trust by himself in a pit. David earned the respect of, of Israel as a champion that knocked down a giant that became their king. But he got the respect of God and God was a man after God's own heart in a field full of sheep where there was nobody else around. When a lion and a bear came out and David could have ran for his own life or ran into the fight and saved another lamb. Integrity is not proven in front of the masses. Integrity is proven when you're by yourself. And God said, I can trust this boy in front of Pharaoh and I can trust him in the palace because I trusted him when he was in a pit. And he showed me that I could trust him when he was with Potiphar's wife. And he showed me that I could trust him when he was in the prison. Hey, somebody listen to me this morning. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Do what you can. Do what you can. Don't worry about getting bailed out. Don't, don't, don't worry about digging out of the pit. Just learn to be faithful in the pit and learn to be faithful in the process. So now, Joseph has shown God on days when I'm stuck and I don't have any food and I'm by myself and I got nowhere else to go. God, I put my trust in you. So here he is. He faced the calamity of a, now a global scale. Global. Egypt controlled the world. He is facing global calamity. It had been two years since a drop of rain. Somebody say two years. Two years since a drop of rain. And no rain meant no farming. And no farming meant no food. Yet Joseph rightly assumed that God was in the middle of the crisis. Pharaoh saying, what in the world are we going to do? Joseph said, no problem. God's got this. But then, this is going to get tough. i got a few more minutes here. He didn't just walk into the crisis and say, okay, God, now that you've elevated me, just do your gig. I put it in God's hands. I, that's, that's, this is going to be hard right now. Maybe I should just close and the music come right now. It's the biggest cop out in history to say, I'm just going to let God do it. Because sometimes we got to realize we've been trying to do what God's supposed to be doing and begging God to do what we're supposed to be doing. Are y'all with me this morning? So he faced the crisis with a plan. And he said, if God put me here, then God believes in me. And God's going to give me wisdom to walk through this. He collected the grain during the good years. 
and he redistributed the grain. This is not, this is not rocket science. It's simple, but you got to have foreknowledge of what's coming to do this. He redistributed in the bad. And when the people ran out of food, he gave it to them in exchange for their livestock and their money and their property. And after he stabilized the economy, he gave the people one of the most powerful economic lessons. Somebody say he had a plan. In Genesis 47 and 24, I'm going to give you the Luke St. Clair version, not the King James version, but this is the cut and dry version of what he said. He said, give one-fifth of your income to Pharaoh and use the rest for farming and eating. Give one-fifth of what comes into him because they're establishing economy. Listen, his entire plan was simple. It could have fit on an index card. His whole plan. His plan was very, very simple. Save for seven years, distribute for seven years, and manage it very carefully. Be careful. Don't get goofy. Just plan. Follow the wisdom of God. I wish some people in here could get a vision of what I'm saying to you. We have, uh, we have this concept of God that we don't really see in this story for some reason. When you look at Joseph's plan, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but i got to ask you a question. I mean, could it be any more boring, really? We're going to store up while it's good. We're going to give it out when it's bad, and then we're going to manage it and be careful. And everybody's like, Psh, what a genius. How boring. And we come, we're like, hey, how about a little flamboyance here, big guy, you know? Tell us something big. If you don't mind, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about Red Seas opening. I'd like to talk to you about dead men Lazarus walking. I, I'd like to talk to you a little bit. Tell me something about Jericho's walls falling. He said, no, just, just store up while it's good. Give it when it's bad. Manage it. Render unto Pharaoh what's his. God's going to take care of you. But there's a plan. No, 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 no. I, I, I'd really like to have something, you know, like some kind of big spiritual drama. I'd like to hear about Paul raising the dead, if you don't mind. I'd like to hear about Peter and John healing the sick, making the lame walk. But listen, for every John, for every Peter, for every Paul, there are a dozen Josephs that God has given the ability that when you haven't seen a miracle and when you haven't seen the dead raise, do what you know to do. Man, if I could get this in your spirit, it would change your life today. Pastor, when am I going to see fireworks? When am I going to see smoke in the heavens? When am I going to hear voices come out? Listen, we don't need a fresh word. We just need to do what we know to do. <laughs> he said, Joe, all I need to know is that I got some steady hands in the midst of chaos. I've been watching all the stuff this week, just in, in clips, primarily on Instagram. When you see it go through. I've been watching people, it's so funny, talking about Davos and what's going on at the World Economic Forum. This is supposed to be about world economy. and They're using languages every day, every single day, every single day. About one world government, one world money, one world religion. They're using, they're using this economic, so funny, economic forum. They're saying the way to do this is take the LGBTQ plus 95, whatever. Be sure every kid in America is taught that. That's, what, that's what's going to give us better economic freedom. Come on, people. 
people are like, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, listen. This is going to discourage somebody, but I don't want it to. But, Brother Tony, from here to the coming of the Lord, it's going to be chaos. God needs some steady hands in chaos. God, God, God needs some hands that when they're lifted in worship, they're not trembling because of what's going on around us. They are steady because of who is above us. Satanic. It's so gross to me. Literally planning arrests of people. Plan, like planning, staging the whole thing. And then acting like people getting arrested. And they walk around the corner, turn them loose. And they all just laugh. And everybody in the world's wringing their hands. Oh God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Pharaoh's over there in his court saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And the butler says, hey, there's, there's somebody that's got a dream. God's got some steady hands in the middle of an economy that you don't know what you're going to do. Folks, I'd rather be faithful to God in the midst of chaos and know that God's got this thing. Got up this morning, started reading. I didn't read for long, but I read for just a second. Saw all the stuff got tore up in the night in Atlanta. Hey, can, can I just say this? If you're in this room today and you are, you are a law enforcement officer, a police officer, if you work for the police, if you are in any kind of enforcement at all, I honor you, I respect you, and I thank God for you. I thank God for you. If you are in the military or have served in the military, or I honor you today. I honor you today. I appreciate what you're doing. And, and, and I want you to know that just because they're burning down buildings and saying they hate police, I thank God. The day, listen, the day that this church flooded, you know who beat me here? Firemen. Our public servants beat me. If it wouldn't have been for the public servants of Anderson, Indiana, this whole church would have been underwater. I thank God for people that serve our community. God bless you. We're, we're, we don't buy into this stuff the world's doing. I'm not, go, I'm not doing it. It ain't going to ruin my lunch. I, I'm, I'm over it, Brother Kevin. I, I live by a different set of rules. If God is for us, who can be against us? I'm almost finished. Listen, Joseph never raised the dead. But he did keep people from dying. He never healed the sick. But he kept sickness from spreading. He made a plan and he stuck with it. And they triumphed with a calm and methodical plan. I'm going to bring this down to you. In the days leading up to the war with Germany, I saw this on YouTube. It was very interesting. Found in an old bookstore, Brother Stephen, in, in England. Found this, this bookstore that had opened in the like 90s. It's an old train station on the northeast side of England. And this man uh, that owned the bookstore bought a ton of, of books uh, at an auction. And in, in, in the... Uh, uh, in, in the boxes of the old books that he found, this is where this story was birthed. He said in the days that were leading up to the war with Germany, the British government commissioned a series of posters. And the idea was to capture encouraging slogans. And some of you are probably wondering, 
what my slide is about, what's up with the crown, but it, it, it's for a reason. The idea was to capture encouraging slogans on paper and to distribute them about the country. It was capital letters, in all capital letters, in distinct typeface with a, a simple two-color format. And the reason they did this, Mother, I found it so interesting. They said they wanted to do it in a typeface. They wanted an encouraging message in a unique typeface that the enemy could not easily copy. Man, my mind went. We ought to be speaking things that our enemy just can't figure out. We ought to speak things that's so pure that the enemy don't know how to duplicate it. The only graphic, the only graphic on the entire poster, the first one was distributed in September of 1939. It said, your courage, they got it for me. Your courage, tell your neighbor this morning, your courage. Your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us victory. The only graphic on the poster was the crown of King George the Sixth. The only graphic on the poster was the king's crown. And they used the power of the king's throne to encourage their neighbor, you're going to make it. You're going to come. Your courage brings our victory. Your cheerfulness brings our victory. Your resolution brings our victory. I wish we would encourage our brother and let him know today, when you win, we win. When you're happy, we're happy. And that's by the king's authority. Soon thereafter, there was a second poster that was produced. It said, freedom is in peril. Defend it with all your might. You know, it's funny when you preach things like this from the pulpit. Now it makes people mad. You start talking about freedom being in peril. And they'd, re they'd rather talk about their political stance. If I've ever known freedom's in peril, folks... It's in peril. But you do whatever you got to do to defend it with all your might. Hey, I'm just telling you right now. If people can fly all the flags they want to fly, I got no problem walking into a restaurant and sitting down at a table and opening up this book. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We ought to do a little experiment, just start walking through it. I, do, I love an airport. I'll be on an airplane. Everybody's reading self-help books. I like to get this one out. Pull open my little table. And they don't have to look over at me and say, what you reading there, buddy? This right here, my friends, is the book you ought to try it. Because it says, no matter what happens, we win. Oh, you're a preacher. Are you, are you concerned about the Antichrist? Nope. You're not? <gasps> Who do you think it is? I don't know. 
I don't really care as much about the identity of the Antichrist as I do the Christ. And I know his identity. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. And the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. I know who he is. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this morning, freedom is in peril. Defend it with all your might. These two posters, and and I'm closing, appeared up and down the British countryside on railroad platforms, in pubs, stores, restaurants. They were everywhere. There was a third poster that was created. 2.5 million copies were printed, yet never seen until 60 years later. When a man bought a bookstore in Northeast England and he opened up a box of old books and down in that box of books he found with the crown on it, just like this. It had the crown on it and you've probably seen this all over the internet but this is where it came from. It was the third poster, 2.5 million copies. They made it just in case Germany invaded And the king said, on days when it's terrible, he said, I don't want you to release this yet. But on days when it looks like we're not going to have any tomorrow, he said, if Germany invades us and drops a bomb on us, he said, I want these 2.5 million copies ready to go into circulation. And I want you to hand them to everybody you can. And here is the message. Keep calm. Carry on. Pastor, does all this chaos scare you? No. Keep calm. Carry on. Come on, chap. (laughs) Carry on. Folks, listen, I'm not saying this to be silly, but I'm just being honest with you. I don't have one problem in the morning with getting up and putting me a cup of coffee on, sitting back, crossing my legs, and open up my Bible and read every promise in the book. God is for us. God is with us. Pastor, what are we going to do if they attack us? God is for us. What are they going to do if they put out propaganda? Be of good courage. Carry on. Be calm. Don't worry about it. God's got it. He's in control. I'm not. How do you know that? Because the crown is on it. The crown is on it. The king said it. That's the king's word. It's going to be all right. Let's stand this morning. I, (laughs) I came to reveal the hidden message that's been stuck in a box. The whole time you've gone through this trial, there was a word waiting on you that you didn't know was in there. Keep calm. Better days are coming. God's got this. The word of the Lord says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run into it. And they are safe. And the reason I'm telling you that is because not everybody can hide in that name. But the word said it's a place that's reserved for the righteous. If you'll just keep calm, stay in the hand of God, 
And when days get tough, just start looking under the hills. From whence cometh your help. For your help cometh from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I want you to see those three signs together. There's a message here this morning. I want somebody to encourage your brother and tell him your courage and your cheerfulness and your resolution. It's going to bring us victory. Freedom may be in peril, but defend it with all your might. We've got somebody for us that the enemy cannot destroy. I wish somebody would find someone right now and just look at him right in the eye and tell him this for me. You are going to make it. make it brother Todd you're going to make it you're going to make it brother Brother Kevin you're going to make it you're going to make it God's going to do it you're going to make it come on I need about a dozen people to believe what I'm saying right now brother Shaw in the seasons when we felt like you, you're not you can't I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make it there's no way I'm coming out of this we're testimony standing right here today God's got it Come on, I may be only reaching for two or three in here that need to hear this. Carry on. Stay calm. God's got this. If you'll do what you can do, God will do what only He can do. And we're going to make it through this thing. Come on. I wonder all across this room if I, if I could infringe on your comfort. And ask you to just lift your hands to the Lord and say, God, I surrender to you today. All of my fear, everything that I've been worried about, I surrender to you today. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it.